the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. News, WTBN, Pinellas Park. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. We're also engaged in a continual struggle with our society and their immoral and often unethical behavior. And to top all of this, we just have an ongoing war with Satan and demons. The world doesn't have that. We keep taking hits from the devil and his demonic forces. So no wonder we can become discouraged because these battles never seem to end and they seem to be everywhere. It doesn't matter where you are. You, you can't escape it unless you get out of this world. When I was in high school, I participated in several sports. We tend to think of football as a demanding sport, and it is, but wrestling was far more grueling. We wrestled for three two-minute periods, and on the rare occasions when I lasted the whole six minutes without getting pinned, they were the longest six minutes of my life. But when the match was over, we got to rest. In spiritual warfare, We don't know if or when we will get a chance to rest this side of glory. Welcome to Verse by Verse. Pastor teacher Steve Kreloff is leading us in a series of studies about spiritual warfare. Pastor Steve serves at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida, where he has been the teaching pastor for over 26 years. Our text for this study is found in Ephesians chapter 6. In this chapter, the Apostle Paul described the armor of God, something God provides to every believer, but he doesn't put it on us. We have to put it on. We just spent the last three lessons learning about one piece of the armor in particular, the helmet of salvation. It's a topic that deserves some extra attention, so here's Pastor Steve now with the beginning of another three-part message that I think every Christ follower will find encouraging in this seemingly endless struggle against the enemy of our souls. On October 29th, 1941, Prime Minister Winston Churchill visited Harrow School in England. That was the school that he had actually attended as a boy. He didn't do very well when he was a student there, but he had attended there. And the last time Churchill visited the school, Britain's war effort against Nazi Germany had looked very bleak. Those were very dark days but now, 10 months later, things were beginning to look, to look up for England. And so when Churchill stood before the student body, he, he wanted them to learn some important lessons about this turn of events. And one of the lessons that he wanted them to learn and grasp was about perseverance and about determination. And so as he was bringing his speech to a close that day, he said these now famous words. He said, and I quote, never give in, never give in, never Never, 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 in nothing great or small, large or petty, never give in. Except to convictions of honor and good sense, never yield to force, never yield to the apparently overwhelming might of the enemy. 
Now, it's a myth that says that he actually said all of that and then just sat down and that was his whole speech. There was more to it than that. But that was the heart of it. That's what people remember. And those are great words to remember. They were used a generation ago to help lift the morale of the entire British Empire as they engaged in warfare with Nazi Germany. As believers in Christ, we also need words of encouragement, words to lift our morale and encourage us in our ongoing battles with Satan. And that's what we've been studying about these last few weeks from Ephesians chapter 6. We've been studying about spiritual warfare, and one of the chief tactics of the devil is to just wear us down, to make us discouraged and weary, just sort of battle fatigued. And the way he does this is by convincing us that we can never win the war against him. It is a futile effort. There's no point in continuing this war effort because there's no end to this struggle. It just goes on and on. And what the devil's, uh, what his goal is, is really to, to make us battle weary so that he takes away any hope we have. Any hope we have of ever having victory over him. He persuades us that these battles are endless that there's no light at the end of the tunnel. They just go on and on and on, and there is no end in sight. And that can be very disheartening. Now, some of you know only too well the type of discouragement that comes from, from these ongoing struggles. At times, your life just seems to be an ongoing series of, of conflicts, continual conflicts that never seem to end. Personal conflicts with individuals, Conflicts over, over having to make a stand for biblical truth as people want to argue with you. Conflicts over godly standards of morality and, and ethics. And, and even personal struggles just to maintain a good attitude in the midst of all these conflicts. They're just the, the ongoing battles. And you find yourselves at, at times be, being, as the Bible puts it, weary in well-doing. Although Paul's point is to say in Galatians 6, do not be weary in well-doing, but we find ourselves, right, being just weary in well-doing, just plain tired of all the struggles, and quite frankly, you wonder, is it really worth it? Why not, why not just compromise and, and go with the flow? After all, I know I'm going to go to heaven. Why do, I, why do I always have to take a stand that invites opposition and criticism? Why do I always have to be the one to, to engage in this kind of struggle? And the answer to these kinds of questions and this kind of discouragement is found in what the Bible refers to as the helmet of salvation. Now, if you haven't turned there already, our passage is Ephesians chapter 6. We continue with what we started last week. And in verse 17, Paul very succinctly says, and take the helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation is the fifth of six pieces of spiritual armor that God has provided for every believer in our ongoing warfare with the devil. And specifically, this piece of armor addresses truths about our salvation that Satan attacks. That's why it's called the helmet, the protective helmet of salvation. See, just as Churchill's words about never giving in offered hope and encouragement to dispirited England during World War II. So God offers us words of encouragement about salvation to his battle-fatigued children, and he offers them to us in the form of the helmet of salvation. Now, last week we discovered that when the Bible speaks of salvation, it really speaks of it in three different tenses. There are three different aspects of salvation. In the past, the moment you called upon Christ to save you, you were saved from the penalty of sin. You'll never come into condemnation. You'll never face the wrath of God in hell because Jesus Christ experienced that. 
So there is a past aspect to salvation from the penalty of sin. In the present, right now, we are still being saved. And we are being saved not only from the penalty of sin, but we are still being saved from the very uh, power of sin. Now, it may not feel like that because sometimes we tend to feel overwhelmed with sin in our struggles, but you aren't overwhelmed. You can have victory. Unlike before you were a Christian, you can have victory, and God gives us grace, and there is power. Romans 6 speaks of that in many places in the Bible. So in the present, we are being saved from the power of sin. We have been saved from the penalty. We are being saved from the power. But in the future, there's another aspect of salvation. We will be saved from the very presence of sin. So the question is, what aspect of salvation does God's helmet of salvation address? And the answer is all three. All three, because Satan attacks all three aspects. He attacks the past aspect by tempting us to doubt that we were ever saved. How do you know that you're really saved? And the helmet of salvation addresses that temptation by biblical truth about assurance of salvation. 1 John 5.13 says you can know for certain that you have eternal life. And there are many verses that address how you know that you have eternal life. The devil also assaults the present aspect of salvation by suggesting that, well, maybe you were once saved, but you lost it. You lost it through sin. Or if you have not lost it, you're really on thin ice. You can lose it. And once again, God answers that with the helmet of salvation by wonderful promises that teach us from the Bible, that teach us the eternal nature of Christ's atonement and our salvation and God's power to keep us saved. You are kept by the power of God. It's not you hanging on. You and I actually don't persevere so much as he perseveres with us. We're not hanging on to him or we would let go. He's hanging on to us. Now, this morning, we want to delve into the third tense of salvation, and that is the future aspect in which we will someday no longer struggle with any sin. Isn't that a wonderful thought? No longer any sin will we struggle with. Our salvation will be final and complete. In Romans chapter 8, Paul calls it the redemption of the body. No longer will sin have the opportunity to work through our, our bodies. Paul wrote of this future salvation when he said in Romans thirteen eleven, for now salvation is nearer than when we believed. Now, isn't that interesting? Now salvation is nearer than when we first believed. What he means by that is complete and final salvation is closer than ever before. If you were, if you were saved, if you became a Christian yesterday, salvation, the ultimate salvation is closer. Every moment moves us closer. Whatever point in time you came to know Christ, and there was a point in time, whether you know the precise time, God knows it. Whatever point in time you came to know Christ, you are constantly moving closer to the ultimate realization of that, that complete salvation. And, and now let's put this together. Because you experienced true salvation from the penalty of your sins in the past, and that salvation continues and you can never be lost, every true born-again believer will arrive safely in the presence of the Lord. That's the future aspect. That, that's where it all comes together. You have that wonderful assurance. And this is really what Paul was talking about in Philippians 1.6 when he said, he who began a good work in you, that's past salvation, he began it in the past, will perfect it. That's today's present salvation until the day of Christ Jesus. That's the future aspect of salvation. But you see, just as Satan has a strategy to cast doubt upon the past and present aspects of salvation, he has a strategy, a wicked, devious strategy 
concerning the future aspect of salvation. And that strategy, quite frankly, is to bring discouragement to you. It's to cause you to lose sight of it, to cause you to get so wrapped up in life's problems that you fail to see that there is a glorious future. And when we do lose sight of our future salvation, then it's just easy to give up, easy to compromise, easy to to just cease fighting those battles that we need to fight, that God calls us to fight, and that's, that's to persevere in the Christian life as he gives us grace. So how do we deal with discouragement and battle fatigue in the Christian life? How do we get back on track so that we are steadfast in the face of opposition? We are persistent even when we encounter hostility. We are firm when we are tempted to retreat from standing for the truth. How? Well, in the words of Winston Churchill, really, how do we make sure that we never give in? How do we do that? The biblical way to deal with this type of discouragement is by taking the helmet of salvation and putting it on. And essentially what that means is that you know enough truth about your future salvation to keep pressing on even when you feel like quitting. Knowing that there is an end in sight, knowing that there's a glorious future keeps you pressing on. And so this morning, I want us to grab hold of one primary truth about our future salvation that will cultivate perseverance in each one of us. Normally, in, in my messages, there's, a, there's an outline, three, four, five points to follow. This morning, there's just one point. There'll be, some, there'll be a few applications from it, but this one, really just one main truth about the helmet of salvation that will give us encouragement to press on. Here it is. If you're taking notes, this is what we're gonna look at this morning. That one key truth about our future salvation that cultivates perseverance is this. There is joy awaiting us at the finish line. Let me put it this way also. There is a finish line and there's joy that's awaiting us. Now, we know from our studies in Ephesians 6 that Paul compares the Christian life to warfare. It is, it is. At the end of his life, he'll say, I have fought the good fight. Timothy, grab hold of eternal life and he speaks about fighting the good fight. The the Christian life is warfare. But the Bible also uses a number of, of other analogies to express what the Christian life is about, describe various aspects. And one of those is the analogy of a foot race, a running race. For example, if you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 9, in first, I don't hear rustling. I know, I know you have your Bibles, for, unless you all have little computers. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24, Paul says this, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run? That's rather obvious. Everyone who enters a race enters for the purpose of running. But he says, but only one receives the prize. Now, um, you may have, for example, in the Olympics, the top three people get medals, but there's only one who's considered the winner. Only one takes home the gold. And then Paul says, so run in such a way that you may win. How, How does an athlete preparing for something like the Olympic Games make sure that he's ready to win well verse 25 tells us everyone who competes in the games exercises self-discipline or self-control in all things they then do it to receive a perishable wreath but we an imperishable therefore Paul says I run in such a way as not without aim I box in such a way as not as not beating the air but I discipline my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others I myself will not be disqualified what Paul is saying is this that 
running the race, in order to run effectively and have a a chance to win, you have to be disciplined. You have to use self-control like a well-trained athlete. And just as a professional athlete must exercise discipline over his body or her body in their quest for a temporal reward, a prize, a, a wreath that they put around them, so we as believers in Christ, we must make sure that our bodies are under control at all times because we're in pursuit of eternal rewards. That's why Paul actually goes from the running analogy to boxing. He's talking about discipline. You're not just out there. You keep your body under control. Paul said, lest I be disqualified, meaning not that he could lose his salvation, but lest God put me on the shelf and not use me anymore. So he talks, he, he talks about running in, in terms of discipline. In Galatians 5, 7, 7, he uses another picture of running to illustrate still another spiritual truth. He said, you were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth. You were making progress, you Galatians. You came to know Christ. I saw progress. I saw spiritual growth. I saw sanctification, but you've been hindered. You've slowed down. Your pace has gotten very slow. He's talking about the fact that they were once growing by obeying the word, but now legalists came in and imposed the law upon them for salvation or sanctification, and they slowed down. So Paul uses running to illustrate spiritual discipline as well as progress and growth. Running, making progress, getting the miles down or the kilometers. But it is also, running is also used in Scripture to teach a grand and glorious lesson about perseverance in the face of of hostility. And this is where I want us to focus. If you'll turn to Hebrews chapter 12. We're going to be here for a while, so you need to look at this. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1 and I and I know we've studied this before, but I want to emphasize some some other things here. In Hebrews 12 verse 1, we read this. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, Let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. In in this verse, the writer to the Hebrews, and we don't know who he was, we're not sure if it was Paul or somebody else, we know he was an inspired writer, but the writer to the Hebrews compares the Christian life, not simply, notice this, not simply to a race, but he, but he compares it to an endurance race. He calls us to run with endurance the race that is set before us. In fact, the, the word that is translated race is the Greek word agon, from which we get our English word agony. Agony. In other words, the Christian life is like an agonizing marathon of 26 miles. It is not a quick sprint. It is not a brief dash. It is a long, drawn-out, tough race involving a great deal of pain, a great deal of discomfort at times. And there are times... During these painful uh, ra- or during this painful race, when you will feel like giving up, you will feel like quitting. You'll wonder why press on. Why do I have to be so disciplined? Why do I have to obey the Lord? Why do I have to take such stands? Now you don't have to experience the agony of a of a literal marathon race to understand that life can be an agonizing experience. Every one of us understands that by virtue of the fact that you are a fallen creature living in a fallen world, you know about the heartaches of life. But believers in Christ enter into more struggles than unbelievers do. 
And the reason I say that is because we have a spiritual dimension. Unbelievers may look like, may, may look like it's tougher for them in the sense because they don't have God's grace and we have the Lord with us, but you and I have struggles that they don't have. Let me explain. We have to deal with all kinds of persecution. We, we deal with that hostility. It may be from unsaved family members who just give us a hard time for our faith. They don't, the, the world doesn't experience that. We have to deal at times with rejection by friends who we were once close to, but, but our loyalty to Christ has severed that. We didn't want that, but that's what happened. There are hassles on the job and in school because of biblical values that we take that, that the world knows nothing of. It is not a society of Judeo-Christian ethics anymore. And in addition to, to these personal internal struggles, or in addition to these others, there are personal struggles. We, we have inward desires that wage war within our souls. No unbeliever knows that. No unbeliever knows that. We're, we're in Romans chapter 7. The things that we want to do, we don't do. The things that we don't want to do, we do. We're, we're at war within ourselves. We're also engaged in a continual struggle with our society and their immoral and often unethical behavior. And to top all of this, we just have an ongoing war with Satan and demons. The world doesn't have that. We keep taking hits from the devil and his demonic forces. So no wonder we can become discouraged because these battles never seem to end and they seem to be everywhere. It doesn't matter where you are. You, you can't escape it unless you get out of this world. I remember one of, the, uh, one of the times we were in Israel, one of the people on our tour had some uh, personal struggles and Michelle said to me, isn't this interesting? We're in the Holy Land, but that doesn't make you holy, does it? And that's true. That's true. It's, it's everywhere. You can't get away from it. Well, that is precisely what the Hebrews of this New Testament letter, what they were battling with, what they were experiencing, they were Jewish people, and thus the name Hebrews, who had become identified with Jesus Christ. Now, a closer look at this book seems to indicate that not all of them were saved. Some of them were saved, but others had not yet come to, to full faith in Christ. They might have been moving along in that direction, but they were associated with Christianity. And because of that, they were now paying the price by being persecuted. And they were tempted to just quit, to throw in the towel, to just give up, pack their bags, return to the safety of Judaism that they had grown up in. Temple worship and, and the synagogues and the sacrifices and the high priest, enough of this Jesus. We never had life so rough since we identified with him. And that's why we read such interesting and important statements as, for example, look at Hebrews chapter 10. I think this is a very misunderstood verse, but it's so critical to, uh, to, to grasp this. Hebrews chapter 10, beginning at verse 23. The writer says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Now watch this. This is what's misunderstood. Not forsaking our own assembling together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. I'm afraid our time is about up, so we will have to wait for the next verse-by-verse to give Pastor Steve a chance to explain how this verse is often misapplied. For now, I'll just say that the author of Hebrews was talking about something even more serious than skipping church. Pastor teacher Steve Kreloff is leading us in a detailed study of the armor of God as described in Ephesians chapter 6. 
Pastor Steve has been serving since 1981 at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. At Verse by Verse Ministries, we have the pleasure of adapting his practical, expository messages to radio. We are a faith ministry. We are a faith ministry supported through the prayers and gifts of interested listeners who are first faithful to their own churches. If you would like to hear today's program again, please visit our website, versebyverseradio.org. You can listen to it online or download it for later. The same goes for the previous lessons that you can find on the archives page. That's versebyverseradio.org. If you would like to hear the entire message from which today's class was taken, you can order a CD or a cassette by calling us at 727-441-1714. Leave your name and a number, and we will return your call during weekday office hours. That number again is 727-441-1714. There is no doubt that it's tough to be a genuine Christian when we face three enemies our own sin natures, the satanic world system, and Satan himself are all arrayed against us. Thankfully, God has provided every spiritual weapon that we need. Let's all be here for the next verse by verse to see some specific ways that the helmet of salvation protects those who put their trust in Christ. You've been listening to Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. This program was pre-recorded. To learn more, including how to donate to this ministry, visit versebyverseradio.org. That's verse. We are here to give you strength between. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.